Sam. Sam, this is Kasha. Kasha, none of your Beninsky from the game. I wanted to let you know I finished with your potatoes. I saved you a few because you seemed a little upset that I wanted to keep them all. Granted, they have a few bruises here and there, but you can still eat it, make it into lovely dinner for you, and I don't know. Um, but anyways, just wanted to let you know, I have to go away for a little while, but I will be back. I will bring you maybe some bosh from Russia. I see you later. Don't get killed. Well, pop yourself a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and a push, you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds. RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. Sorry about the audio quality for this episode. It's not the caller's fault at all. Um, but as I meant to the different segments through a leveling program and work on the auto quality. And I just haven't had time. And if I don't publish this, it's not going to get published for a day or two. So I figured I better just put it out like it is. So again, I apologize in advance. Normally I'd put some of these calls through a, you know, a program to make, to level them out, but you'll just have to deal with the gorilla podcasting and me putting this together on my phone. Today we've got Listener comments from a number of people, including a first-time caller, which is great. We have some unboxings, and we have some movie recaps, plus a sneak peek at to the next episode. There is some naughty language near the end of the episode, so I'll warn you of that now. Okay, let's get into those unboxings. Unboxing time. Let's see what we got. I have a box from Merry Old England. Well, I say Merry Old England. It's actually from Greater Manchester. So, yep, Merry Old England. Pretty sure I know what this is because it says D100 Games on it. So that's kind of a giveaway. Um, the box is not very well sealed. It's all broken up. And I can actually pull the book right out of it. It's a hardcover book, and it is, as I'm sure some of you have already guessed, I know Che Webster has already guessed, this is the Open Quest, a hardcover, the Open Quest rulebook, D100 Gaming Made Easy, this is the third edition of Open Quest by our good friend Newt Newport, signed by him. And it's actually properly assembled, unlike the books I've been getting from Drive Through RPG and Lightning Source. So it's got a map on the inside front cover. The inside back cover has a list of creatures by world, quick encounters, 
Again, that's the back cover. The front cover has the um, map, and then it's got a picture, pretty nice picture, and, and of course, a signature by Newt. Um, Open Quest is a kind of an open source version of, well, I don't know if, it, if this is open source or not. I think it is, SRD. Um, but it's basically like BRP, a variant of the BRP rules. And it's set up for fantasy, although usually you can adapt these things to for anything. But it's this one's actually this one's set up for fantasy world, and it's got a world included in it. Although you don't wouldn't necessarily have to use their world with it. Um, the art's okay, black and white art inside. Um, definitely passable art. It well, the animalist has a nice picture of a of a war elephant throwing people and chasing somebody. So. Rob, over down the heap, you'll be happy to know these aren't naturalistic, just portraits of things in here. They're action poses, for the most part, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, it, all together, it is 268 pages, and, like I say, this is something I was looking forward to getting. Not sure why. Oh, it has a couple color um, pages in here. It's got some color, what, what, I forget what you call them. But it's got a couple, you know, pages of the hard, glossy pages of color in here. It's got a, a giant skeleton fighting some adventurers outside a temple, it looks like. It's got a, a duck as part of a party facing off against some kind of creatures. Again, it's got the, now I guess maybe the duck's in all the pictures. I don't see the duck with the giant skeleton. But ducks in these other pictures, they're underground facing something with, a tele with tentacles. Here's a whole series of ducks, one in a hot air balloon and an entrance into a waterfall. That's pretty nice. Here's one without ducks with a some kind of temple. Looks like it's a floating temple, maybe. Here's some adventurers fighting a, some kind of sea creature. Well, I say sea creature. It's like a, almost like a, like a labia, but a male. And then we've got kind of an Arctic scene with a barbarian type fighting what look almost to be Cossacks. And then we have our adventure party again, the duck ha having a pipe in his mouth this time, going down the stairs, the entrance of a dungeon. So very nice. Very happy I picked this up. Oh, and, and the duck, I wasn't even paying attention to the cover, obviously. On the front cover, which is full color, we have... The, the duck, a fighter, and I guess what's probably a wizard. Um, and, and they're standing in front of some ruins and there's a dragon in the background. A, a green color dragon in the background. Um, very nice. I have another unboxing here. I believe it's a soft cover book from the size of it. Coming from California. It's just a big bag that's been kind of squinched in the size of a soft cover book and a lot of tape. So, there you go. In fact, because it's pretty much all tape, let's see if I can open it by just, by just removing the tape. Maybe not. Um, so, we will try to get this open. Uh, when I say soft cover book, I mean like a soft cover gaming book, not a novel. You know, slightly larger soft cover book size. Um, so, let's see if we can get this open without burning up too much air time here, and it looks like I can. Let's 
So we're going to rip this bag open for massive strength. There we go. Made my strength roll. No tools required to get into the mail. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, well, I say that. They um, really wrap this up well. The number of bags in here. By the time we get in this Russian do Russian dollar bags, and maybe um, it, it will be a regular size soft cover. Not sure what else I ordered that this would be. So hard to say. Ah, excellent. This is the words and images of a Hollywood legend, the poetic works of William Smith. So as, as I let you know, recently William Smith passed, and this isn't in the best shape. looks like might have had some water damage at some point, which kind of sucks. Um, I don't see any obvious mildew, though. Oh, it's signed, though. That's kind of cool. To Morgan, love you, Bill and Joanne Smith. I bet you his wife just one signed it. But... Anyhow, this is um, a book written by the great, um, the, the great deceased actor William Smith with, with his poetry and some other things in here. So, and no, it's pretty much all poetry. So, very cool. Look forward to that. Who knows, maybe someday, I'll, or maybe I'll start incorporating all this stuff and you'll get a, a poem by William Smith in every episode. But not today movies that I've been watching. Sinbad of the Seven Seas. Is this our fabled D&D &D movie that shows a D&D group in action? No, Conan the Destroyer is still better. Arguably, Hawk the Slayer is better. But this definitely has a D&D &D group. Here, let me let you hear the pitch as told by Daria Nickelodeon. His name was Sinbad, Conqueror of the Seven Oceans. And he had traveled so far to the most strange and mysterious countries, together with his brave friends, the young Ali, son of a great king, the Viking warrior, Pucci the dwarf, the bald cook, and the Chinese soldier of fortune. This is a 89 Italian film, essentially, well, not essentially, it really is a kid's movie. I mean, there's some death and stuff in there. And obviously, as you can tell, the Chinese character has some racial things thrown at him throughout the movie. There's some stereotyping going on there. But all in all, it's kind of a fun watch. You get to see Lou Ferrigno, who's basically playing Hercules, not Sinbad in this movie. And he does fun things like he uses his persuasion skill to talk snakes into letting him tie them together. To use him as a rope. We see, I, I don't know, there's a lot of neat things. There's there's some undead creatures they fight that are kind of reminiscent of the blind dead, which is kind of neat. Um, I, so I had recorded a really long ramble about all the actors in this movie and the Italian movies they were in and my love of Italian cinema and all that. And I think I'm going to put that out as a separate episode is a option, you know, bonus episode, optional episode, because I don't think many of you are, enjoy hearing me talk about Jallo and, um, 
in, in Thai movies and things that you've never heard of and aren't really into. But I will say that if he can sit through it, the you know, because it is kind of infantile in some of it, but for the most part, Sinbad of the Seven Seas is a fun watch, and it is a contender for a D&D movie, with, without a doubt. What else have I been watching? Well, oh, and Sinbad of the Seven Seas, if you're in the U.S., is on HBO Max right now. So that's where I saw it. I, I've also been watching a lot of Nick Cage films. Um, Nick Cage, of course, the, the greatest actor, of, living actor of our time. Um, now that Sean Connery's gone. Well, Michael Caine saw it there, but, but I'm going to give it to Nick Cage because, you know, Nick Cage is not afraid to take roles, right? And well, Christopher Walken's out there, too. Who, hmm. in your guys' opinion, call in. Let me know who you think the greatest living actor of our time is. Um, Christopher Walken's pretty fearless in the, in the roles he takes as well. But I'm, I'm going to stick with Nick Cage. N- Nick Cage, who took the took the role in Drive Angry because A, he wanted to do a 3D movie with a master, and B, because he wanted to be, his character to be shot in the eye, and they wouldn't do that in um, was the season of the witch. They wouldn't shoot him in the eye, so he did this so he could have his character shot in the eye. That, that's what drew him to this script. Isn't that great? Well, and he did, like, um, Willie's Wonderland because he wanted to do a role where he didn't talk which is great too. Uh, so we, we brought those two up. I watched both those recently. Um, Drive Angry, of course, is a 2011 film with Nicolas Cage, Amber Heard. There are actually a bunch of other great actors in that movie. Um, it's got nudity and violence and bad language and adult themes. So be aware of that. But if you want to sit and just watch a silly movie and turn your brain off, you know, the, the premise of Drive Angry is Nick Cage is out to save his granddaughter from devil worshippers who are going to sacrifice her. That, that, that's your basic premise. Um, and, and it's just a bonkers movie. It's just one of those movies you turn your brain off, watch, and enjoy. There's great car chases in Drive Angry, great car action, silly humor. Some scenes are directly stolen out of um, Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen, but arguably there are things that I I won't say these are done better, but they're done a little bit differently. Nick Cage brings no panache to those scenes. Um, So yeah, I drive angry is definitely a fun, stupid movie that, you know, I, I can not recommend enough. If you, if you're willing for the sex violence and Amber Heard in there, then then you're good to go. Um, Which actually Amber Heard plays a strong female in this a realistically portrayed strong female in this movie. So she actually does not hurt the movie at all. It's not like where you see Megan Fox in a movie and you're like, uh, and, and she ends up bringing the movie down. In this, Amber Heard actually holds up her part. She does, she does good. So what else do we have? Oh, well, I mentioned Willy's Wonderland. So that's a great movie. If you haven't seen that, well, I say it's a great movie. It's, I mean, it's very reminiscent of the Banana Splits movie. It's interesting, a bunch of these came out at once which are all like um, Five Nights at Freddy's, a video game franchise that I've never played, don't know anything about, but apparently... So all these involve evil animatronic creatures that the main character fights against. Well, in Willy's Wonderland, Nicolas Cage has some car trouble, and these are all spoiler-free reviews. 
Nicholas Cage has some car trouble in the local town. You know, they can fix his car and get him back up and going, but to pay it off, he needs to spend the night in this old amusement, like basically an old Chuck E. Cheese. It's a like a kid's restaurant with animatronic band there. He has to spend the night there cleaning up because they're going to reopen it. And if he spends the night cleaning up, they're going to fix his car for him. Well, it's not really giving anything away to say the animatronics come to life and he has to battle with them. And it's, again, dumb, stupid fun, but it's it's pretty good. Now, it's a lot. It goes for it more than the Banana Splits movie. So the Banana Splits movie is the same kind of idea, right? Um, evil animatronics. And the Banana Splits movie is fun because it's actually the real Banana Splits that are there, the ones that we watched as kids. But that's there are some okay kills in the Banana Split movie, but it's kind of dumbed down a little bit. This leans into the gore and the violence more than the Banana Splits movie does. So Willy's Wonderland is definitely more of a, it's more violent than the Banana Splits movie, you know, without a doubt. Um, they could have leaned into it more, though. So it's, it's kind of a swing and a miss. It's worth seeing to see Nick Cage, but it's, they could have gone farther with the concept, I think. They, they could have gone farther with, with things in the um, in Willy's Wonderland. Uh, what, what other movies have I seen lately with Nick Cage in there? I don't know. But he, he's in a bunch of great movies. Obviously, the greatest actor of our time. Oh, I, I saw Pig in the theater. So Pig is it's basically an indie arts movie. So Nick Cage has gone pretty much to an indie movies these days because he feels he's too, ham- he's too hamstrung by the studio system and, he, and he's not able to act. So Pig is currently in theaters, limited release. I don't think it's streaming anywhere yet, but it's not John Wick. The trailers, I haven't seen the trailers, but apparently the trailers misrepresent it. Don't go into Pig. Expect So in Pig, he's, we open up and Nicolas Cage basically hunts truffle mushroom, truffles, mushrooms, and he has a pig that helps him, a truffle pig, and somebody steals his pig, and he has, and he, so he, the whole movie is him trying to get the pig back. It's not John Wick. There's not crazy John Wick violence, but there are a lot of, a lot of things that are John Wick-esque. There is an underground in the movie, and, and he is a person known in the underground, as we find out as the movie goes on, but it, it's not a movie about violence. Pig is a movie it's a character study, and it's some great acting. So if you're willing to watch a movie that's kind of depressing and kind of slow and is more of an indie artsy movie, Pig is well worth watching because there's some great acting in the movie. There, there really is. And it makes a question, you know, what are you doing? You know, it brings up the, you know, modern living. You know, what are we doing with our modern lives? Are we just, are we doing what we want to do or are we just... You, you know, doing what other people expect us to do. Are we trying to conform or are we doing what we love? So there's some interesting things brought up in Pig. If, if you don't mind slower, artsy movies, then Pig is a high recommendation. If you prefer something like Drive Angry, then I would probably not watch it. So, is that. Um, of course, the other movies, he's real late. These come out lately. are things like Mandy, which I think is a, a must-see movie, although arguably... It's a little bit of a, it doesn't go, again, it doesn't do quite as much as it could, but Mandy's a pretty great movie, highly recommended. Um, And even if you don't want to see Mandy, go watch the trailer, because the trailer has one of the greatest tonal shifts in history. 
you, you go from, you know, horror movie setup to where it switches to action mode in the, in the middle of the trailer. It, just go watch the trailer. The, the trailer, you'll see where, where the tone shifts. And it's pretty great. And the other one is, of course, the color from outer space. I think, is that right? I'm probably saying that wrong. I think Andy's yelled at me for saying that title of movie wrong before. But anyway, it's okay. It's a different vision of it. Of course, this has been filmed before as Die, Monster, Die. And, and there have been other adaptations, the Farce Carloff, and there have been other adaptations. Um, the Nick Cage version's fine. It's a little bit weak, I think. Um, but but it's fine. There, there are some interesting monster effects in, in, in color in Nick Cage. I don't think it's a waste of your time at all. And, of course, no Nick Cage movie is a, a waste of time. So, yeah, I, I think that's all I'm going to say about things that I've been watching lately. And I'm going to move on to some calls. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey, Jason, we must be connected like the guys from Biggest Geekest because we both called in independently to RC Down in the Heap's memorable henchman contest with the entry of Glob Knob, which was the herald for Spike Spitz's character, Sir Froz, in the Broken Lands game. I pine nostalgic for Broken Lands. It'd be fun to pick that up and run that one day on a Sunday morning or another day. Anyway, take care and uh, always enjoy your stuff. Yep, Globnob was a great character. And, of course, Spike Pit gets a ton of credit for that. The way he interacted with that NPC was just wonderful. I hope we do get to pick Broken Lands up at some time. That, that was a, a really fun game. Really enjoyed it, and I'd love to revisit that world. I don't care if Ming the Merciless is in there. That actually inspires me to remind me, I don't know how brain things work, but sometimes I know how much we love Savage Worlds, and I actually have a lot of the Flash Gordon Savage Worlds, so that might be another another game to put in the queue. Ah, I'm glad I'm not putting these movie quotes in for no reason. Can anybody tell me what movie that clip was from last episode? Where Ming the friggin' Merciless was mentioned? Anyhow, Carl, I would happily play Savage Worlds Flash Gordon with you. Let's get it on the schedule. Just a comment on the Ridley Scott Robin Hood. It is actually, it seems, it's not, it's less about Robin Hood and more about the Baron's uprising against King John, where the Baron's invited the French to invade. And the French actually landed and had a limited success and then got rolled over when the English realized we don't want to be ruled by the French. We'd rather have awful King John than this. So I think that's what, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't have been called Robin Hood. It should have been called something else and it would have made more sense and they threw the robin hood element in there when the class well i don't know if it's even the classic robin hood because there to me there is evidence that or a show that i've seen and books that i've read about robin hood seems that it took place during the anarchy which was about 
which was about 50 years earlier during the reign of King Stephen. So, I mean, in theory, that's when a lot of these sort of uh, North, North uh, Nottinghamshire, Yorkshire area rebellions were taking place um, when Stephen, King Stephen, the usurper, came down on the populace. So, um, but I think, I don't know if it's classically, I mean, I don't know what the classic Robin Hood story is. I guess it's the one uh, that takes place during the reign of King Richard and King John is uh, the re the regent or is there because they people think Richard is dead or he's in the Crusades or whatever. Um, it's very strange, the whole Robin Hood history. Robin Hood and history may not be the best terms to go together, but yeah, I, I think the, you know, where John is regent in the place of Richard is the the standard for the Robin Hood legend of, you know, I think that's the norm. Um, you know, the default, if, if you ever have a question, is just go back to the Disney film with Fox, the 1973 animated Disney film, which is probably by far, well, it's definitely one of the top Robin Hood films, as, you know, as we discussed in the previous episode, that and um, Errol Flynn, of course, and Robin and Marion's up there. And even though Che Webster hasn't seen it, the um, wonderful Robin and Marion TV show is, you know, that that's actually my preferred version. But Disney's a very close second. The Errol Flynn one is great, mainly because of, well, Errol Flynn. Hey there, Jason. Amy and I just listened to the session recap, and I think it's great hearing things from your perspective, how things appear to you in character when the APC crested the rise there and opened fire with uh, old Ronson there doo -doo -doo, with the 50 cal. Um, it was great uh, to hear your narrative, too. There are a little, few little different things that I remember not going the same way, maybe just... Just, you know, it's kind of cool because, you know, we, we're both, we're playing the same thing as hearing and happening. And it's just the sequence of events um, can be different, which I think is kind of a neat thing. Um, so glad you really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to playing. I'm sorry that uh, things weren't, didn't go as far as we had planned and we had talked about. But hey, that's the way things go. And I, what I like is that the characters kind of took control and steered the ship which is the best way. Hey, Jason, this is Amy Lee, Carl's wife, better known as the owner of his podcast, according to you. I think that's funny. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys for letting me play in the game with you. I normally don't play in pickup games because as a female playing in games, it's difficult to find um, other players, even females, that are more investigative and not just running in to kill a whole bunch of bads, which I kind of missed doing in our game. And I wanted to also say thank you for uh, dealing with my fake accents in the game. I'm sure she sounded a little bit like a cross between a Polish girl with a Russian girl with God knows what German accent in there. Uh, I guess that's just kind of her personality. But hope to game with you soon okay first time caller amy there i i thought that was a natural accent i couldn't even tell you'd put on an accent there amy it was great 
Now, in all seriousness, your, your accent really helped make the game better. It, 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 there's no question about it. And folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, at the top of the show, that was Amy calling in character to the show. So she was calling in, in her character to my character, Sam. Um, that's what that was at the beginning of the show. But no, happy to play. And yeah, not all the games that that we play are, are run in and hack them up. We, I've played many games of Carl where there hasn't been combat in the session at all. So, and that's not a bad thing. Carl, I think the, the memory thing is interesting. Like, for example, in your session recap on your show, you didn't mention where Matt's character Grunts had popped up and fired at the, the one biker trying to get away with his M16, you know? So it, but everybody, you know, if, if you have five people and ask them what their, you know, their memory of a, a certain event is, you can get five different tellings of it. That's pretty normal. Um, but thank you so much for the calls, guys. Really appreciate it. I look forward to continuing that game. I know I'm still gushing about the T2K game from Tuesday, but something reminded me in Arlen's discussion of failing forward and success at cost on how at least Twilight 2000 4th Edition handles success at cost. And that's with the push mechanic, if you recall, and you described it really well in your recap that uh, you you wanted to get more successes instead of getting a push with the adversary in your your drive test, but it and it succeeded. I mean, you kind of got what you wanted in that you distracted him and got the adversary off the bike, but the cost was that you were partially injured uh, with some of the complication, the you know the the hard stop on your vehicle and the motorcycle coming into the bed of the truck. And I think I kind of like that. And that, it gives a GM a tool in T2K to describe or to come up with something, hey, when you push and you succeed, yes, but you still have that one there that means that there's a cost that, hey, you're damaged. How are you damaged? How does a player imagine that they're damaged? or you're stressed in the case of sort of a more of a mental type test. So why are you stressed? What happened? I, I think that really helps the GM to, as you said earlier in the podcast, come up with what happens when there is fail forward or success at cost. So I will have to look to see how they handle fail forward. I know I was looking just from what I recall for the travel rules that uh, that for the travel rules there are specific things that happen if you fail in your role um, I don't know if they would have particular suggestions on how you fail forward but I think you know it's up to the the GM in that case and that makes it a little harder as part of the narrative to come up with something and if you fail but the adventure definitely would continue it would seem but uh, obviously there would be a, a complication I don't know I will have to dig and see how T2K handles the fail forward it will be interesting to see how the system holds up in Twilight 2000 4th edition this free league version 
Um, I'm interested in playing it, and I'm excited to play with the, you know, some of the players we have lined up, and always happy to play in your games. But as you know, I'm I'm definitely on sides with the Frankenstein's RPG crew that failing forward isn't really needed. I'm I'm not a huge fan of mechanic is a standardized thing in a game. I think the way I used it is fine. And I think doing it every now and then is okay. But I think having it baked into the system where the majority of your successes require you to do it, I, I'm not a fan of that. That was Maddie. He got a little excited. He gets wound up over these topics. But he's not a big fan either. You know, we haven't asked the dogs what they think about failing forward. Gadget. There you go. It's a final opinion. Okay, and now a sneak peek for next episode's contents. Man, that long-winded fucker you have on your podcast all the time now sure takes his time to get a little bit of information out, huh? Yeah, he he really does. I'm talking about I'm talking about my own call-ins and my own little bits and how listening back I I have to pause and step away from the computer because Oh my god, I really need to write like a script or something for my call-ins or my podcast or whatever. Uh, but thanks for putting out episode 227. I haven't finished it yet, um, but I'm probably going to have a couple of call-ins uh, try to further articulate my position and maybe even script them so that I don't pause all the time to think up what I want to say. Yeah. Talk to you soon, man. Oh, I just realized I dropped an F-bomb in that set of call-ins. I guess you can mark that podcast as explicit or just edit it out, or I can call in again without it if you want me to. I don't know. Sorry. I I did it without thinking, and I'm ashamed of myself. All right. Talk to you soon. You almost fucking killed me, man. Not even close. I won't see you again until you're 73. You all see in three months. By your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the there is a dustman in your moilers by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck